This is KVRX 91.7 Austin, and you are listening to Dialectica, an examination of the civic, political, and economic issues that matter to us all on global, national, and local levels. Dialectica is brought to you by students of the LBJ School of Public Affairs and is produced in partnership with the LBJ Journal of Public Affairs. We hope you enjoy the show. For the record, have you ever used steroids, human growth hormone, or any other performance-enhancing substance? No. Have you ever been tempted to use any of those things? No. You never felt like, this guy's doing it, maybe I should look into this too. He's getting better numbers, playing better ball. I've never felt overmatched on the baseball field. I've always been in a very strong, dominant position. And I felt that if I did my, my work, since I've done, since I was uh, you know, a rookie back in Seattle, uh, I didn't have a problem competing at any level. So, uh, no. That was Alex Rodriguez sitting down with Katie Couric on 60 Minutes in 2007. In thinking about tonight's show, there are a number of issues we could have covered thinking about the intersection of sports and public policy. In particular, in the media recently, much attention has been paid to the economic conditions of the nation and the sporting world. I'd like to rewind just a little bit to 1931 when Babe Ruth was asked about his job performance relative to President Herbert Hoover. And a reporter asked Ruth about whether or not he felt guilty for having a bigger salary than the President of the United States. And Ruth's response was, I had a better year than he did. So we certainly could have covered the economy, but then, within the last month, Alex Rodriguez said this. When I arrived in Texas in 2001, uh, I felt uh, an enormous amount of pressure. I felt like I had all the weight of of the world on top of me, and I needed to perform, and perform at a high level every day. Um, Back then, it was a different culture. Um, It was very loose. Uh, I was young. I was stupid, Um, I was naive, and and I wanted to prove to everyone that, you know, I was worth, um, you know, and being one of the greatest players uh, of of all time. And uh, I did did take a banned substance, and, um, you know, for that, uh, I'm very sorry and deeply regretful. That was A-Rod with Peter Gammons on ESPN. In light of continuing problems with performance-enhancing drugs and the world of sports, and in particular Major League Baseball, we decided to raise the question of what sort of role public policy has in determining the outcomes of this issue, and if so, what kind of public policy needs to be pursued. With tonight's show, we have two interviews on the subject. The first with Chris Yonelos, the Director of Government Relations at Virginia Tech, and the former Deputy Chief of Staff and Legislative Director to United States Senator John Warner. Also, we've spoken with Gilbert Garza, who is the Executive Director of Athletics of the San Antonio Independent School District and the President-elect of the Texas High School Athletic Directors Association. Our first interview is with Mr. Yonelos. 
Mr. Yonalo spent 10 years on Capitol Hill, most recently as the Deputy Chief of Staff, Legislative Director, and Legislative Counsel to now-retired United States Senator John Warner of Virginia. Chris is an attorney. He has an extensive knowledge of the federal bench, the Department of Justice, and the Department of Health and Human Services, and he is an avid fan of Major League Baseball. Let me ask you um, sort of broadly here, um, what, what do you think is the responsibility of the Department of Justice to pursue action against Major League Baseball players? Yeah, I think that the Department of Justice's role uh, is to uh, prosecute and investigate first, and then if they have evidence, prosecute federal crimes. And like any federal agency, it's a question of resources. And um, um, the department has to decide what types of crimes they want to prosecute and what types of crimes they don't. But whether uh, whether they should prosecute them, absolutely. If uh, federal crimes have been committed, the, the question I think that, that the new administration has to answer, like all administrations, what, is whether these types of cases are the types of cases they want to put resources to. Because... Uh, um, any governmental entity is not an entity of unlimited means. They have to decide how they're going to focus their resources. Are they going to do it on, on drug cases? Are they going to do it on white-collar crimes? Are they going to do it on, on uh, gang-type issues? How are they going to focus their resources? So I think that it's a, a perfectly reasonable uh, choice by the Department of Justice to pursue these if, if they choose to. Well, that's, and as a citizen, I kind of like them. You know, if a crime's been committed, let's prosecute the folks. Well, let me um, let me pull up the Alex Rodriguez case just for a second. Um, given that he was exposed only after what was anonymous testing was uh, was leaked to the media, should should he get any kind of different treatment on that? There are two, I guess, things I guess I would consider there in, in your question is, should he get different treatment by Major League Baseball, for one, and should he get different treatment by federal prosecutors, too? I'll take the federal prosecutor piece first. If the law has been broken, uh, the prosecutor's job is to prosecute uh, uh, the criminal offense, and, and certainly prosecutors take into account certain factors, but um, I don't think that... Uh, it would be a worthy consideration for a prosecutor to consider whether the, uh, the evidence came out out of an anonymous drug test or not. A-Rod, I guess, was promised by Major League Baseball and the Players Association that those tests would never become public, but federal prosecutors certainly weren't part of that deal. So I don't think that uh, that should be part of their consideration. Now, if Major League Baseball is considering sanctions, um, I think that's a different story, and um, and certainly I think A-Rod has every right to be uh, seriously uh, uh, ticked off and possibly might have legal recourse against against uh, um, um, Major League Baseball and the Players Association for those, those uh, tests being released. Uh, let me ask you, since Congress had initially put some of the sunlight on the use of performance-enhancing drugs in Major League Baseball, and given your background with the Senate, what do you think about the Congress's capacity 
to hold hearings on these matters and however you'd like to take that regarding either past hearings or future hearings. Yeah, I think that um, that uh, Congress absolutely has the jurisdiction to be able to hold hearings on this and to continue to be able to hold hearings. There's a, The question, I think, is should they? And when I analyze this, I think that uh, the, the I would analyze it from a political perspective. Congress is enormously unpopular, although we've seen an uh, uptick in their popularity recently. I think, by and large, the general public thinks that Congress shouldn't be engaging in these types of hearings because there's more pressing matters that should be considered, like the economy, uh, wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and such forth. But the fact is, is that most of these members, I would probably say all of the members, can juggle uh, many balls at one time. And, and but consumers, Americans, are spending millions and millions and millions of dollars to go to baseball games every year or watch games on TV. And it's basically a fraud that's been perpetrated to some extent on the consumer. Uh, so I think it's perfectly appropriate for Congress to look, to look into these things. Um, from a political perspective, should they? Uh, you know, it's not going to make the popularity figures, uh, popularity numbers go up. But from a consumer advocate perspective, I think they should. I think they bring these matters to light. And uh, the question that I think is, is the natural question is, if you're going to have these hearings, then what's next? What kind of hammers or, or sticks does Congress have over over um, Major League Baseball, and the one that's talked about the most is repealing the antitrust exemption. And uh, I'm not so sure that that is a, a, a stick or a hammer that's really, really going to reform reform baseball. Should um, these scandals be a catalyst for moving legislation forward? I guess the first thing I would say is I don't think that professional athletes should have any harsher penalties than the general public in terms of their perform use of performance-enhancing drugs. If A-Rod uses a performance-enhancing drug versus the guy at the local gym that is just trying to uh, you know, bench press a, a higher amount of weight, the penalty should be the same regardless of what your profession is. Um, whether... Um, I have not seen an analysis that shows that the penalties right now are, are inadequate. What, what's happened in baseball is, is that folks were financially rewarded for using performance-enhancing drugs because as their, as their home runs increased and increased and increased, you saw folks like A-Rod getting $20-plus million contracts a year. Uh, in turn, I think you see, um, uh, like it or not, these professional athletes are role models to kids. And, um, you know, it trickles down. But I, I, don't know whether, uh, I don't know whether an increased penalty would be appropriate or not. I wouldn't advocate additional legislation without the facts kind of showing that, that uh, strengthening the penalties was needed to try to deter behavior further. And I haven't seen that evidence yet. Our next interview is with Gilbert Garza. He is the Executive Director of Athletics for the San Antonio Independent School District. He is also the current Vice President and President-Elect of the Texas High School Athletic Directors Association. 
In his career, he has spent more than 30 years in high school athletics. Can you tell us just a, briefly a little bit about the San Antonio ISD and how many schools that you serve in your capacity right now? Well, uh, San Antonio ISD is an inner-city urban school district located right in the heart of San Antonio. As a matter of fact, downtown area uh, is just right in the middle of our uh, school district. There are approximately 54,000 students uh, that we service in SAISD. Uh, we currently have eight high schools and 16 middle schools that uh, I'm in charge of their athletic departments. Uh, that's grades 7 through 12 male and female. Uh, my uh, main responsibility, I would say, is to make sure that uh, I oversee a, a huge budget, uh, over a million dollars, uh, that services our kids with equipment, uh, transportation concerns, uh, payment of officials, uh, uniforms, scheduling of games, uh, you name it, uh, we're in charge of it, it seems like, including running uh, lots of tournaments and, and uh, track meets and the like that any normal high school uh, district would have. Uh, the only thing is we have eight high schools. So it's a, it's a lot uh, on our plate every day. Now with that, let me um, ask also, how many years have you been uh, serving as an athletic director and how many years have you been with the THS ADA? Well, I've been an athletic director since 1983. Uh, originally started down in the valley in South Texas. And uh, I think what's, that's something like 20, uh, 26, 27 years uh, as an athletic director. I've been uh, with the Athletic Directors Association almost that long. I know it's been over 20 years that I joined uh, the Athletic Directors Association. Uh, and. Uh, I had a lot of experience uh, in a lot of different areas. I used to also coach football and baseball when I was coaching. So, And I've been in San Antonio Independent School District for seven years. Now, with that, um, how long have you been an, an officer for T I guess let me ask this in two parts. Uh, how long have you been an officer with the THS, ADA, and... Um, can you tell us just a little bit about the mission of the association? Yes. Uh, initially, I became a an, uh, regional director with the Texas High School Athletic Directors Association, and I served a three-year term. Uh, and then I went. I served one year uh, as a member of the awards committee, and so I had four years' experience uh, with the uh, officers' associate with the, being an officer with the uh, Athletic Directors Association in Texas. And then this past year, uh, I was elected uh, by my peers as the vice president and president-elect. Uh, so total, I'm in my fifth year serving as an officer. Basically, what we do at our association is represents the Athletic Directors uh, Association uh, for Texas. Uh, we just, uh, we're the, uh, the represent representative body uh, for all the athletic directors in Texas, uh, we uh, get involved on a national basis. Uh, we're very involved in giving and uh, providing leadership training to our athletic directors uh, in the state. Uh, we have a state conference every year where we all come together 
and um, have a conference, uh, bring in speakers, uh, get together and exchange ideas, uh, exchange problems that we're having. Uh, you know, we're, we work very closely with the Coaches Association as well as with the UIL uh, to try to better service our kids and uh, in the state. That's basically what our mission is. Thank you very much. Um, now let me ask you, when um, when we initially spoke about the interview, we uh, we discussed a little bit on the fall 2008 UIL anabolic steroid testing report. And we, we have probably a number of listeners who are not as familiar with this particular report and uh, you know, with the UIL in the, in the state of Texas necessarily. Now that report uh, showed that of... 18,817 anabolic steroid tests conducted, uh, and that was between September 2008 and December 2008, that they only received seven confirmed positive results and 10 unresolved test results, and that's in addition to uh, about 48 protocol positive results, which come out of, say, kids being unexcused absence from school, uh, five kids refused to take the test. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit about the uh, the UIL anabolic steroid, steroid testing report and your your thoughts on steroids among high school athletes? All right, let me see if I can get all this uh, uh, together. First of all, I think it's important to, to note that uh, the steroid testing was not a... Um, it was not something that the UIL dreamed up of, just something to do. I think this originally uh, was initiated by uh, some legislators that had some concerns about steroid use in Texas high school athletes. Uh, the UIL was mandated to come up with a program uh, to curtail uh, steroid use and uh, to to do something about it, and what 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 initiate what was initially done was that you know they 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 were going to have random testing in Texas high schools to test for steroids. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, there were about 19,000 kids tested, uh, and there were seven positive results. Uh, I, I can't sit here, John, and tell you that uh, there are, is not steroid use uh, in Texas high schools. I'm sure that there are. Has this served as a deterrent? I hope, hopefully, it has. And with only seven positives, uh, hopefully, kids have gotten the message. It's not something that our coaches, our athletic directors association, has, ha, our trainers have not discussed with our student athletes in the past. I think our kids are well versed, and they're knowledgeable about the dangers of steroid use. I personally. Uh, think that steroids are awful. It's a terrible thing to to get it yourself involved with. Uh, and, you know, certainly if uh, my son would be one of those that tested positive, or, and God forbid he would be one of those statistics that he died from it, I would, I would you know, really feel strong about steroid testing. But personally, I, I think steroid testing is not the biggest concern that a lot of us in our profession have in terms of uh, drugs. I personally feel that 
if we're going to do anything, we should test our kids into what we call recreational drugs. Because I feel that that is a stronger concern for a lot of us in athletics than steroids. I mean, you've tested 19,000 kids and you've come up with seven positives. That's not a very big percentage. And I think if you include the numbers that, because this is the second year that we're in it, I think they started testing kids in the spring of 08, as well as the fall of 08, if I'm not mistaken, there's something like 29,000 kids, and there are 11 positive tests. I could dare say that if you would have tested those same kids for recreational drugs, those numbers would have skyrocketed more than 11. And that's where I think we need to concentrate our efforts in, in my opinion. With respect to, say, the recreational drugs, what would be your top two or three concerns? Let's let's say um, maybe including uh, alcohol among your athletes. Well, I think without a doubt the three biggest concerns that that I have and what I would think uh, recreational drugs that I'm really talking about is alcohol, uh, marijuana, and cocaine. Those are the three major ones. I really think coaches in this state have talked to our kids years and years now about the dangers of steroids. Uh, you know, that's something that you could die from, that you could have long-lasting effects later on in life. It affects your internal organs. It could affect the ability for you to have children. And all of these things have been talked to with our kids. And I really think that that verbiage has served as a deterrent as well. But it's just so much easier and probably cheaper to get these recreational drugs, and it's no big deal for these kids to do it. And that's why I think we need to concentrate there more than on steroid use. You know, let's say out of the 29,000 tests conducted, uh, that if they were testing for things other than anabolic steroids, that that result, other than, say, 11 positives, would skyrocket. Now, let, let's just say the test was readministered to 29,000 athletes. Let's say they were testing for marijuana or, uh, or cocaine. Um, on sort of a skyrocketing scale, what would be the, the number of positives that you would anticipate? Well, of the 29,000 athletes in the state of Texas, you know, and I, I, may, I have no basis for giving you this opinion other than what I, I believe, uh, and I've seen over the years, you know, I've been in education, 30, this is my 34th year, and I've been in coaching or in athletics all 34 of those years. I would say, uh, let's just say that number is 30,000. I would say at least a third, which is 10,000, would you would find some sort of positive test, that's my opinion, male and female. Uh, and I, I really don't want to label it as athletes because, you know, there are a lot of other kids in high school that aren't an athletes that are involved in this. And I, I really think that just because you're an athlete, you know, shouldn't signal you out from the rest of the student body. I, I think the state, if they were ever going to get into recreational drug testing, you should, you should put all of the students on alert that anyone could be tested. You know, as a parent, and my, if my son or daughters 
were not athletes, but maybe in the band, in the ROTC, or any any extra, or any even if they were in anything, and they knew that the possibility of them would be drug tested, would serve as a deterrent. I would want that. I think when I say a third or third or ten thousand, I'm talking about if thirty thousand high school students would be tested, I would say at least ten thousand. You would find some positives. Now, in terms of athletes, you know, if you want to talk about athletics and athletes, maybe. You know, six, six, seven thousand. Let me ask you: um, Are there initiatives that you'd like to see come out of the, say, the legislature or even the governor's office that would make your job as an athletic director easier in terms of dealing with these problems with students? Well, I think there's already talk about maybe scaling down some of the ter- steroid testing. John, steroids are awful, and they're and and they happen in Texas. And it's not good. But I think maybe instead of going into so many high schools and testing so many kids, maybe we could scale that down a little bit, still test for steroids, uh, but maybe not test so many thousands and, and maybe get ourselves into recreational drug testing if that's what the state wants to go. You know, a lot of this, to be honest with you, needs to start at home. And our coaches are continuing to, continue to hammer it in their locker rooms and field houses. I can tell you that right now. I mean, uh, <laughs> to me, that's the direction I would like to see us go with this. Uh, scale down the steroid testing a little bit. Well, actually, a lot of bit. <laughs> and, 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 and still have it there so kids know that that possibility could happen. But, man, if you told kids that we were going to recreationally test for drugs, oh, you know, that might really, really work and, and scare the heck out of kids to, to, to eliminate it. Dialectica has been brought to you by the students of the LBJ School of Public Affairs in partnership with the LBJ Journal of Public Affairs. Sources for our show can be found on our website, which can be accessed through kbrx.org. Any opinions offered on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of the LBJ School of Public Affairs, the University of Texas, or KBRX Student Radio. Thank you to our producers and our guests, and remember, you are listening to KBRX Austin.